Family, I want to read today's scripture for you. It's found in 1 Chronicles 16. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, a historical book, one that we don't go to all the time, but 1 Chronicles chapter 16. It's an earlier part of the Old Testament. 1 Chronicles 16. It starts by saying this, And they brought in the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord and distributed to all Israel, both men and women, to each a loaf of bread, a portion of meat and a cake of raisins. Then he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the Lord, before the ark of the Lord to invoke, to thank and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief and second to him were Zechariah, Jael, Shemiramoth, Jehiel, Matathiah, Eliab, Benaniah, Obed-Edom, and Jael, and who were to play harps and lyres, uh, who were to play harps and lyres. Asaph was the sound of cymbals, and Benaniah and Jehaziel, the priests, were to blow trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. Then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for giving us a chance to dive into your word. Would you allow it to speak to us that we might understand you more, more clearly? See how beautiful of a God you are and how in love with us you are. How you want us to all be your people and your desire is that all would accept you. Father, we pray that, um, that we would hear from your word and that it would not simply encourage us in how we live, but actually take someone from death to life today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. On Thursday, we have a, a, a holiday coming up where we are lining up the menus. We starting to get out the, the cranberry sauce ready and the ham and the yams. We're starting to get the turkey and the rolls and the yams. We're starting to get the, the sweet potato pies and the green bean casserole and the yams. Um, you, might, you, you might be starting to catch on what I like most about Thanksgiving. Um, but, but we start having these like menus that we start getting lined up and, and that's just one aspect. Then you start having family come from out of town. You start having family coming from across town. You start having family that's in town, and you start having uh, some drama from some of that family. Folks, you don't see that often. Folks who you're kind of happy they stay across town, um, all coming to, to get together a little bit to congregate. You got, come on, you know, you got folks who who done wrong in the past and folks who never apologize for stuff. You got Folks who you are so happy to see that you wish that you could see a ton more often, where as soon as you see them, your face lights up with joy. You got some folks that's crazy enough, they already got all the Christmas stuff already up. And some folks that just can't wait to go out and cut the tree. You got a ton of things about to happen this coming Thursday. Uh, uh, just a hodgepodge of emotions, of planning, and yet there's one term that the world would tell us we're supposed to be as we think about all of it, and it is thankful. 
thankful. We're supposed to have Thanksgiving this upcoming Thursday. It's supposed to be a, a posture of who we are. And pastor, are you saying that the drama that I know some of my family is supposed to bring is going to come in the door with? I'm supposed to be thankful for that? That, that that's, that's, that's what the world says, that the people that I don't like that still got the invite that's I'm supposed to be and my, my answer to you is actually God wants something that's bigger than just thankfulness for an event. He's praying that his people would have an, an attitude of gratitude. I've heard that said like 10 years ago, and it stuck with me that it's not Thanksgiving is not simply about a day. It's a reminder to the people of God about an attitude, a posture of gratefulness, a posture of thankfulness an attitude of gratitude that we are supposed to have. And so as we dive into this text today in First Chronicles, I think it's going to help us to understand what it looks like to be a people who are grateful and a people who have an attitude of gratitude. Look with me in verse 1. Chronicles 16, verse 1. And they brought in the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. I'll give it a little, little backup. So leading up to Chronicles 16, you get the understanding of this guy named David. David uh, should not have been chosen. Uh, Saul was no longer God's man. God sends Samuel to go find the next king. And Samuel pulls up on Jesse and says, Jesse, where's your sons? I'm here to find the next king. Jesse pulls out his biggest son, his coolest son, the son that looked like he should be on every single poster. And Samuel says, not him. Give me the next one. And it, and it goes down the line. It goes down the line. It goes down the line to the point where Samuel says, OK, who else? And they're like, we got, we got a little dude out in the, out in the field. You want, you want, you, I mean, he's the only son that's left. Then I'll wait till you get him. And God speaks to Samuel and says, yes, he is the one who you shall anoint my son. He is the one who will have my heart. We get that, that, famous, uh, that famous phrase, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have, re- I have rejected others. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So you get that famous, that famous statement. And then what God begins to do is build this infrastructure. So in, in First Chronicles, we see like this lineage of his priests. Then we see like the, the kind of like battle scene of push-ups where all these men begin to get just like crazy charged and and amped up to be able to serve God and support David. And so he has his priestly folks rise up that infrastructure and he has his army. So now he's got everything he needs as far as the people of God behind him. And that's where we enter into chapter 16. David is leading. And one of the things he does is he moves this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of God, it's a it's this this item that's like a uh, an heirloom. Do you have something in your family that's like extremely important? 
a thing that you don't want to lose that like somebody else would throw it away and not even know. But to you, it has significant value. I'm talking about maybe your, your, your kid's baby shoes or, or maybe, uh, maybe your diploma. Maybe it's the, the, the car keys you first got or maybe it's a letter that a parent wrote you the first time you went off to service. I don't know, but, but do you have an heirloom that's of significant value? Imagine the Ark of the Covenant being everybody's heirloom the thing that we treasure most. Because this Ark of the Covenant was, it was a, a symbol of God's love and care for his people. It was God communicating directly with his people, putting on stone tablets laws that he wanted his people to follow, taking those laws on stone tablets and placing them inside of a box. And saying, now I want you to keep this with you. And the whole people of God will remember, wait a minute. We know what we're supposed to be about. We know what we're supposed to be about. We know what we're supposed to be about because God has said it and given it right to us. But in addition to that, you got the Ark of the Covenant with the Ten Commandments sitting in it. But on top is something called the mercy seat. The mercy seat is, is this place where people get a chance to to experience the fullness of forgiveness, where people get a chance to be engulfed by grace. The mercy seat is the place where forgiveness happens. Have you ever, have you ever been uh, in a grocery store? You are in line shopping, finally gets up to you. You didn't put everything on the conveyor. They didn't doubled up your bag, give you your total, and it's at that very moment that you realize you don't have your wallet. That, 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 that ever been you where you just in a situation where you went ahead and set everything up, it's clear that you got a debt to pay, and now you can't pay it. I've been on the, the receiving end of some of that where somebody behind me says, hold up. How much is that? Okay, I got them. I got them. They, they checked the price first. Um, but I've been on the receiving end of that where someone generously blessed me. But can you imagine if you are in that line and you look to your left and you see a, a goat? <laughs> Actually, a lamb. You see, in the, the mercy seat was the place where we came to understand the beautiful sanctified, the beautiful atonement that God provided in forgiving sin. You see, we as individuals and the people of God during this era had racked up sin. Sin was the breaking of God's heart. And God says, look, I'm going to enter into a covenant with you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to provide for you when you're doing right. But hey, guess what? I got some consequences when you act up and when you're doing wrong and you're going to have to pay for these consequences. And the way you pay for these consequences is with death. That's the only way sin can be atoned. And so that mercy seat was the place where once a year the priest would bring in a lamb and that lamb would stand in the place of the people of God and die in their place. So you see David's moving this ark and all the people are knowing that this ark is moving with this tent and the thing that they're thinking of is God has given us direction 
And he's given us mercy. Direction, mercy. For an entire people, for an entire community, direction and mercy. And so it, and so it stands that our, the sins are forgiven, but it happens once a year. Because after those sins are forgiven, what happens the next day? Somebody in the camp's going to sin again. Somebody might, might sin again. And so once a year, we get this beautiful atonement that happens, and the, the people of God are in, that, in the mindset of, man, every time we even see the ark, we know we've got reason to be grateful because he forgives and he loves us. Continue with me in verse 2. And when... And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord and distributed to all Israel, both men and women, to each a loaf of bread, a portion of meat and a cake of raisins, a peace offering. I want to actually read this from Got Questions. And, and um, sometimes I list this website called gotquestions.org. Because I think that it's a good tool for you all. You don't all have like access to the commentaries and different books I have. So I could quote that stuff more frequently, but I don't. Because I actually want you guys to be able to have access to, to have further study yourselves. But if you would ever want deeper study, I have books. You have access to any resource I have. Amen? Amen. So on God Questions, they explain that the peace offering is different than other, other offerings. It says it was a voluntary sacrifice given to God in three specific instances. Instance number one, a peace offering could be given as a free will offering, meaning that the worshiper was giving the peace offering as a way to say thank you for God's unsought generosity. So, so way number one, I'm just praising you because you've been good, because you've been generous. And if you look back at the plight of the people of God, I think they got some markers in life where they're like, God, you showed out. I, I remember being at the edge. Great grandmama telling us that there was Pharaoh behind us, nothing but water in front of us, and you parted the seas. I think we got some reasons to be, to be celebrating you because you've been good. So point number one of just a free will offering, worshiping. Point number two of a peace offering, why you would do it. Peace offering could be given alongside a fulfilled vow. A good example of this is when Hannah fulfilled her vow to God by bringing Samuel to the temple. On that occasion, she also brought a peace offering to express the peace in her heart towards God concerning her sacrifice. It was a way to say, I have no resentment. I am holding nothing back in the payment of my vow. It's like if it's like if you serve unto God and you say, God, like, I just feel fully fulfilled in serving you right now. I'm not celebrating you because of what you've done. I'm celebrating you because I'm actually acting out who you've created me to be to fulfill this beautiful obligation of worshiping you. And I'm excited. To just give you an offering. And third, the purpose of a peace offering was to give thanks for God's deliverance in an hour, a dire hour of need. But none of these reasons work to manipulate God, to control God, or to pacify God. These, God, these reasons are only 
for the purpose of thankfulness and gratitude. Thankfulness and gratitude. Have you ever have you ever just like been just straight up like uh, grateful in your posture for the day? It, 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 it annoys my family sometime. And I'm, I'm going to tell you all how it happens. So Charles Johns hooked us up. You know, you know, you're in trouble when I say your whole name. Right. So uh, Charles Johns blessed us and hooked us up um, because the Detroit Pistons um, invest in youth. And so somehow Charles got this connection with youth. And he's like, hey, y'all, we need some uh, some chaperones to be able to care for our youth. Bet I'll, I'll sign up because I, I love the Pistons. I love basketball. I love like sports. So I get excited. So we go down and, and it gets a little confusing because there was a few different times. But but I remember they had like a bus. Sent the bus for us. Uh, went to the stadium. Uh, the stadium. No, that's baseball. Um, went to the court. arena court. Come on, y'all. Help me out now. Mm hmm. Went to the court. Um, they, they, they brought us in a special way, hit the elevator, take us down to the court, let us take a shot on the court, gave us all a T-shirt, and we got a picture together, um, and then they gave us a coupon to get some food. And you know a water is like $13 just walking up in there, you know what I'm saying? So, so, so there's a... A, a bit of excitement at what I got to experience. But if I could be honest, just as a sports fan, when I woke up, kind of, I was a little excited. There was, there was a little bit more of a, of a smile to the point that when I come in, I'm looking at the dude tearing tickets and I'm like, oh, I look at you tearing them tickets. You better go tear them tickets. The lady in the elevator, all she do is sit on a stool and hit the button and take you to the floor. I'm like, girl, you pressing them buttons. Look at you pressing them buttons. It just was a a part of like my excitement and my kids get embarrassed when I do stuff like that. They're like, daddy, come on. But it, but. And see, this, this is, this is like. I was so grateful just to be there. I could celebrate anybody I saw. You see, the, the peace offering that God wants us to have is like, look, do you see who I am and what I have done? I've provided you clarity of how to live for me. I've also provided a way to forgive your sin. So as you walk through life, you're supposed to be looking like, look at God. Working through people, do that thing. I see you doing it, celebrating and grateful. You see, that's David's posture. He, we, he got a lot of stuff that, he's, that we know he jacked up on and he messed up on, like every single woman and man in the Bible except for Jesus. We know he got some shortcomings. But, but being grateful and praising wasn't one of them. I was, I've, I was blown away when God was 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 working on me after we first got our building. It had probably been about three months we was in the building. And uh, and the transition was just like, it was crazy. So we trying to like, okay, what do we need to fix? What do we need to do? Like a bunch of stuff needed to happen, and we're still trying to work. We're still trying to do a lot. And um, this gentleman came by, and uh, he, was, he was distressed. He was... Um, 
It's just the life circumstances that he's been through uh, uh, was just dire. And I remember God saying to me, like, like, stop. Like, you are you are so focused on the deadline that you're supposed to meet. And you set this time aside and he walked in. But like, but he he is who you need to be putting your time towards. I'll, I'll handle everything else. And so that didn't, I didn't get that message the first time, y'all. God had to keep knocking on my head with that, knocking on my head. Knock. God's just so over time. I'm pursuing him. He's pursuing me. And uh, sometime we get together, sometime we don't. I drive through the hood. I see him. I stop. Hey, what's up, man? We talk for a minute. Um, and so that, that just was the rhythm for the past two years. How long have we been in the building, y'all? Year and a half? Y'all know I exaggerate numbers. Twelve years? How long have we been in? Okay. <laughs> Three years, okay. That's been our rhythm for, you know, three months after we've been in this building. And so, um, fast forward, uh, Jenny's computer gets stolen. I drive around the neighborhood to try to find the person. A neighbor helps me. We don't find them. We drive like two minutes after the person left the side of the road. Can't find anybody. I'm driving down the street like some hours later, and I see the brother outside. Lord was like, go back, circle back around. Hey, man, just want to let you know this is what happened to us at the church. Now, two things happened. One, he got sad, like, dang, man, that's messed up, man. I'm going to look out for y'all. And he got happy because he was like, oh, there's a reward? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Days later, I don't even remember. I just remember us being in here praying, and then that brother comes through the door with Jenny's computer. And what, and what God was showing, to him, showing me was like, are, are you grateful for people because they're created in my image? Or are you grateful for people because of what they can do for you? You see, a, a, a peace offering, what we are called to be grateful for, what we are given unto God, is I see someone else created in the image of God, and I get a chance, I get an opportunity to point that reflection, to point that beauty out in them, and even if they don't see it for themselves, I get to appreciate it. Yeah. Or we can behave in a manner where we just want the output. So once he gets everything together, once his life is perfect, once he got it all good, then we say, what can you offer the church? Oh, you can offer the church something? Okay, now we'll value you. Now we'll be grateful for you. You see, God wants us to see each other in the image that he's created us, and we step back and say, and Lord, I'm grateful for that person. Drama, mess, and all, because guess what? We ain't that far from that brother. And so we've got to be a people who look at each other and say, with all your quirks, Pastor Leon, I love you. With all of your communication stuff, we missing each other. I love you. With all of these different things, we want to be able to be grateful for who God is and how he's working in each of our lives, bringing forth together a beautiful community of messy folks. It's crazy that 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 
We, we, just don't, we don't want to be grateful when you walk through the door with what we need. We want to be grateful for your presence when you have nothing to offer because you do have something to offer. You have the beauty of God in you, and we value that. And it's more than enough. Then look at me at verse 4. Then he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, Asaph, the chief, and second to him were Zechariah, um, all those names. Jump with me to Asaph, what's the sound of cymbals? <laughs> and Benaniah and Jehaziel, the priests, were to blow the trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. This, this gives you a snapshot into, like, worship, that, that David is setting up the worship team. And part of our, like, distortion or our... Um, our uh, uh, like um, unbalanced view of worship is because like 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 singing is like probably the most pleasing to our ear, and I love singing, but like singing does not define worship. It is an expression of worship. It is one of the beautiful elements of worship, and so we see. Uh, David's installing some different folks and part of the people who he gives the actual job to. He says, your role is going to be to thank God. You can, you can sing. Somebody else going to read. Somebody else might have confessions. But your role is going to be to thank God. How would you do in that role? How, how would you respond if the God who created all things came to your leader of worship and said, I would like you to be the one who constantly has a reason for us all to be grateful to God? See, part of that means that we've got to know what we're grateful for. We've got to actually believe that that lamb died for us. We've got to actually believe that we're as jacked up as everyone else in the room. We've got to actually believe we've got a reason to be grateful. We've got a reason to be, to be grateful. But I love that, that, that David institutes this and makes this a part of his, his worship team. And, it, and it, it's tough to hear it right now. Because some of us are saying, Pastor, you don't know like my situation, no. You want gratitude to be a part of everything, but life has been hard. Life has been crazy. I look now, and maybe somebody that I was with I shouldn't have been with. I'm, I'm trying, and I'm overwhelmed by all of the issues that are in my life. My credit's so jacked up, I can't even get a loan for some Skittles, Pastor. You out here talking about gratitude. Gratitude. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by what happens when you actually have to say words that are not in your head. Blown away by the impact that words have when it's not just in your head. Because in your head, you look at all that you don't have, and there's this cycle that can start of depression for what I don't have. 
anxiety for what I hope to have and can't yet grasp it. And this cycle can happen of constant beat down. Look how bad. Look how much I messed up. How am I? How can I be grateful when look at the life that I'm living? Look at what I'm going through. But I, I challenge you to allow community to enter into your situation and just ask, say to someone, say to them verbally, hey, Christian, I don't think I got a reason to be grateful. I challenge you to say to another Christian, when I look at life, I don't think I have any reason to be grateful to God. When you say it out loud, it sounds it sound a little crazy, don't it? When you say it out loud, it actually sounds a little messed up. It's like your own child coming to you and being like, Mama, I'm ugly, ain't I? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Huh? You don't have... But see, once, once you get with another believer and you hear yourself say that to someone and then someone else has a chance to pause and say, oh, let me tell you the reasons why you're grateful. Yeah. Let me tell you the reasons why you have an opportunity to be great. Go ahead, sis. Um, I yeah, yeah. Um, it's good. I, it's like part of like this practice of worship. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is, it's like, I'd be, I'd be trying to say, Lord, what should I say? What should I not? Because it's so much good stuff. But like the, the, the reality is like this is a part of the posture of the people of God. David begins to institute it and say, you know what? I'm going to give somebody an official role for thankfulness. But, but this was always a part of the, the people of God as they would look back and say, wait a minute. You promised to Abraham that it would be a lot of us. Look at all of us in the room. Look at how he came through. Look there, and it would example after example after example. So, yes, sister, thank you for helping us get like a real world application of something that seems like biblically in the Old Testament. But actually, people still live it out today to be reminded of reasons why we can thank, praise and be grateful for our God. Continue with me in in. Verse seven, then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. I, I, I only mention this point because while it was a posture of the people and don't get me wrong, I'm not celebrating Old Testament folks as if they was like perfect. Yeah, they, we know they had some jacked up stuff. That golden calf wasn't no joke. Um, but like what, what David does is he. He actually like makes it a role that someone's going to be grateful and thankful. And then what we see happen is kings after him begin to do the same thing. It's cool to see what happens when like a godly posture becomes a norm in a household and it creates a legacy. A legacy like what what would it look like if in our homes Part of our children's experience, part of our neighbor's experience, part of us loving one another is a posture of gratitude. I'm I'm tempted each day to have a posture of complaining. I'm tempted each day to have a posture of looking at how many things fall short. I'm tempted each day to have a posture of seeing how high the mountain is that we got to climb today. And can you give me an encouraging word? Because I need it because I can't. But what if I said I'm thankful that I got a mountain to climb? 
I get, I, I, I would, we were, um, we were with Vashon and Herb, and I think they'd be okay with me sharing this, of just like, we were there, and um, the security guard um, was allowing, so, to, so I come to see them, the security guard is standing there, and um, even though Herb's right on the other side of the security gate, waiting, the security guard says to me, who are you coming to see? And I say, um, I didn't know their, um, Vashon's daughter's name, so I said, I'm with that gentleman there. He says, no, who are you coming to see? I said, I'm sorry, sir, I don't know. I'm with that gentleman there. And then Herb steps up and says, hey, uh, he's with me. He's coming to see, and he said his daughter's name, Latasia. And he, then the dude just like snaps at him and gets mad. I didn't say you speak. I need him to speak. He needs to know who he's coming to see. So we just step back like, all right, um, what's the name again? Okay, <laughs> I'm coming to see Ladesia. So what, what we found out later was that he, was, he had that type of attitude because unfortunately seven people had gotten shot that night and had come in. And with each person, there's a potential for like gang or other types of fighting that could take place within it. So I don't care who he is. You need to know who you're going to see. And I need to make sure I can filter who's coming in and out of here because I got to keep everybody safe. I, 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 I'm saying that because, man, Lord, remind me why I said that. Mm. Father, help me. You said you didn't think they would mind telling this story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, I yeah. sure did. Mm. <laughs> yep. So. Just had a birthday. Just had a birthday. Yep, yep. So, lineage. Um legacy and having a heart of gratitude and what 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 that moment showed me was that unfortunately of the seven people that were admitted three had passed before she had her surgery so as we were sitting there and we got the news that she made it through her surgery we were like rocked in the room that she had the potential of like physically not being healed fully, but we were so grateful that she had lived. You see, like, like, like we always, no matter how crazy, how depressed, how rough life is, we always have a reason to be grateful. And sometimes the gratitude is, man, my loved one was one of the ones that passed. And God, I'm thankful that I had 28 years with her. I'm thankful that I had 20 years with her. I'm grateful that I had, because there are some in that waiting room that, because some people don't get to say that. And so what, what I love about that peace offering that David devotes is, is when you are grateful to God, you are grateful for what God has done. 
and you are grateful, not even knowing what he's going to do. It's a gratitude posture of saying, God, I just know you are on the throne and you got this. You got me. You got us. The people of God um, have these different ways that would help them just be reminded of, of God's gratefulness. Um, this man named W.A. Ewell uh, helped write the Baker Encyclopedia Bible, and he said there was five ways in which the people of God uh, thank God for his faithfulness through his covenant promises. They were thankful for deliverance, thankful for the forgiveness of sin, thankful for answers to prayer, thankful for compassion toward afflicted and oppressed people, and thankful for God providing guidance and ex- executing justice. I think if you pause and look at your life, we can apply those to our lives as well. We can apply those to our lives as well. I love that the Bible is written in 66 books. We don't just have an Old Testament Bible. We don't just have a New Testament Bible. We got a Bible and it covers all. And it's cool to see the different ways in which God uses the word to minister to us. Some of us need like a direct prose that just says, hey, stop doing this. Other of us need like some of the creativity to flow out of us and and and, and connect with us. And so right after these verses, um, starting in verse eight, David actually has a song that he assigns to be sung. This is this is the song. So he said, hey, I'm going to direct my worship team. I got the crew. I got a person that's going to give thanks. Hey, go through this list. And I bet my people are going to have some great things to be grateful for. As I as I read the words of this song, first Chronicles, starting with chapter with verse first Chronicles, chapter 16, starting with verse eight. I want you to just hear the words of this song and ask yourself, do any of these lyrics resonate with reasons why you should be grateful? Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength and seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever, the word that he commanded. For a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as a portion for an inheritance. When you when you were few in number of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. 
Ascribe to the Lord glory do his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes to the judge. He comes to judge the earth and gives thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Say also, save us, O God of our salvation and gather and deliver us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Be blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said. And praised the Lord. You see, family, if we just pause and spend time in God's word, he'll give you reasons to be grateful. Even in the midst of your cousin taking the last piece of sweet potato pie, you're going to have some reasons this holiday season to still be grateful. I, um, I want to actually end today's message with with scripture. But what comes to mind for me is is that it's like a Geico commercial where like crazy stuff happens. It's like, oh, man, your car just broke down. I just say 15 percent on my Geico insurance, you know, where it's like (laughs) no matter what's happening, (laughs) that benefit is what is paramount in their mind, family. No matter what is going on, the Lord loves you, forgives you, extends his mercy unto you, and invites you into his family. And that is reason for us to be grateful. Yes, we got drama. Some of us can't stand the places that we work. Some of us can't stand the blocks that we live on. Some of us are saddened by family relationships and broken down stuff. Reality is still real, but yet there's something that triumphs all of that. And it's the beauty of a God who says, I love you. I am with you. I have saved you. And I will protect you. Romans 6. I jump out of First Chronicles to Romans 6. Verse 17 and 18 say, but thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin. And you have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you've become slaves of righteousness. We're thankful. We're grateful. We're not grateful for one incident, one action. We're, we're actually, we have a posture of gratitude because now I'm made righteous. I stand with a little bit of a more stature because of who he's made me to be. Romans chapter 14, verses 6 through 9 say this. The one who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, We are the Lord's. 
For to this end Christ died and lived again, that we might, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Family. This is saying, whatever you do, whatever we do, we have reason to be thankful for the Lord and what he is doing, being the Lord, sovereign God over our entire lives, our lives on this earth and our lives when we get to fully rejoice in his presence. But the question still always remains, will you be in his presence? Will you accept the offer that he gives to receive love from a God who created you? Will you see him as the only means, the only one who is worth your worship, but the only means to having peace? Because until you accept his peace, you'll continually be hungering and and desiring a hunger or desiring to be pacified in a way that only he can satisfy. And so as we preach about peace offerings and we preach about gratefulness and we think preach about thanksgiving if you don't see God as the one who is your Lord then you will miss this entire point and simply go out and try to be a good person that's the last thing we want so today if you decide that what you've heard is resonating with you and though you don't know everything I'm asking but you know you want to love and serve this Jesus then we want to offer him unto you today that you might accept him as your Lord and Savior today. What will happen during our communion time is I'll be standing off here to the left or your right. And if you want to accept Christ as your Savior today or recommit your life to Jesus, just come over to me and just say, Pastor, I want to live for God. And we will walk you through what that means and walk with you as a church family celebrating and supporting you. Let us pray. God, you are good. You are so good. I wanted to to end by shouting how good you were. But yet, Lord, you, you wanted me to end by simply reflecting on the invitation that you offer, because in accepting the. In becoming saved, Lord, people get to experience the real goodness get to experience real peace. And Father, that is our prayer for every person present. Help us, Lord, to be grateful people when tempted to complain, when tempted to see the glasses half empty. Let us be grateful for our spouses, our children, our community, our neighborhood. Ultimately, Lord, let us be grateful for you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.